Hey, good morning, everyone. Suddenly, we get a Mission Impossible. Dun, 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 dun. All right, how many of you like free stuff? You guys like, okay, three of you, good. Um, uh, I've got a free not a fan book. Who would like a free not a fan book? Okay, I, th- I saw Ann put her hand up first. Ann, why don't you come on down? Let's give Ann a hand, Ann Beaver. All right, Ann. Enjoy. There's more. Hey, if you guys, uh, we're starting a new series, Fan or Follower. If you would uh, uh, like to get that, I would, I would highly recommend it. And we do, uh, for those of you that ordered either the book or the journal, they are in, so you can get that. And uh, also, I would just highly, highly recommend um, getting the 30-day uh, journal, as I said before in the previous weeks. And um, I know we have some extras that we've ordered, so if you go to guest services, they'll have a book for you. Um, uh, there. They're not free. Only Ann gets free stuff around here. So everybody else has to pay. Okay. So, um, you know, I was thinking as we were, as we start this, this six week series on not a fan, there, there's something that's interesting to me because I, I love watching, uh, professional sports. How many of you are a fan of a certain team? How many of you are, are how many of you are football fans and, you, and you're ready for some football, right? Um, how many of you are, are, are Buffalo Bill fans? How many Buffalo Bills fans? That's pathetic. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. So, uh, you know, we, we're all fans. And if you're a fan, um, you, you get into it. I mean, if you're a real fan, you get into it. You're yelling at your TV set. You know, you're, 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 you're into it. If you're watching a sporting event, you know, we're, we're yelling at the refs for the bad call. You get into it. But, I'm, you know, when it's over, then you're like, okay, it's over. And we, we move on with our lives, right? It's just, it's done. It was fun for, for that time, but, but, but we're done with it. What's interesting to me is when... Someone in their life, maybe you knew someone or, or maybe you went to school with someone that actually became a professional athlete. There's a, there's a time in their life where maybe the parent sees some talent within their child. Maybe, maybe they, they, they do really well in high school and then maybe they get a, a scholarship uh, to a college for that particular sport. And then when they're in there, there's this choice. They've said, okay, is this just going to be something that I've got a scholarship for to get my education? Or is this something that actually could be a career that there's something that pushes them to the next level or shows that they have the gift and the talents to actually make that commitment to have this be a professional thing? You know, I was thinking about that as I was watching the, the U.S. Open this week with the, with the Serena v, uh, Venus Williams. I think at the age of eight, they turned professional. Um, as tennis players, they were so good. I mean, at a point, her dad's like, these guys are good. I mean, they're going to be, and I think seriously, at the age of 16 or 17, they turn professional. I mean, there's that, that choice. I think for LeBron James, I think he was six foot tall at age two and could dunk a basketball. I mean, there's, there's a point to where you know that, that this is more than just a, a hobby, but actually this is, I'm going to make a choice to make a commitment and this thing's going to become something that I'm going to do as a career. There's a choice that you make that says, I'm going to take this thing to the next level and actually commit my life to this. I, I remember um, thinking about that as I was going into the ministry and, and a high school student at the end of my junior year, I was thinking, you know, feeling that call of God on my heart. Like, is this, you know, I love the Lord. I love Jesus. But is this something that I actually want to do the rest of my life in full-time ministry. And that's where I went to college to study pastoral ministry. And actually, there was a point in my life where I actually made a, a choice to actually uh, do that. And I'd, I'd like to relate this to our relationships. 
there's a point um, that, that I believe that, that lies in this realm of relationships. And, and this is what I want to do over the next several weeks. I want us to take a serious look at our relationship with Jesus. Is it, is it, is it a hobby? Is it, am, am I just kind of, you know, Jesus is okay and I'm not really sure about this whole thing? Or is it something that we've actually made a commitment to that is actually shown in our lives? Now, I, I realize there's some of us in this room that, that um, this, this series, if you're coming, is going to be like a, a first date. You're, you're, you're not sure what's, what you're going to make of this. Um, and that's fine. And, and I would love for you just to come and to hear what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ. Maybe um, you're here and you're just not ready for this type of, of commitment. That, that's okay. I want you to come and, and hear really what it means to be a follower of, of Jesus Christ. However, I believe that for most of us in this room, we have to have the DTR talk. And what is the DTR talk? That is define the relationship. We need to find out where we truly stand with Jesus Christ. And, 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 and as I prayed about doing this series, um, I, I, and through the reading of that book, fan, not a fan, um, there is a pastor in the South named Kyle Eidelman. And this was something that was very dear in his heart about his congregation, about do I just have a congregation that's full of fans or are they really committed followers of Jesus Christ? And and how do we define that in our life? Are we really, truly committed to our relationship to Jesus Christ? Now, I, as I began to listen to his testimony, it, something just, just struck my heart when I began to listen to his heartbeat. And I said, Lord, that's, that's what I want for our church. I, I want to make sure that our church, that we're on the right path, that, that we're truly serving you with the right motives and that we're following you, Jesus, not, not just for what you can do for us, but we're, we're truly following you because we understand what it means to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And so as I began to hear his testimony, I thought, boy, this is wonderful. And, and I, I want our church to experience this. And I want you as individuals to really understand where you are with Jesus Christ. Here's, here's my, my, my prayer for you. If you're going to get the most out of this series, you've got to commit to it. How many know you, you are what you're committed to? And, and if you're going to get the most out of this, th- then be committed. Come, come every Sunday. Um, you know, really commit to the journal, to, to, to the small groups that we have on Sunday morning and, and on Wednesday night. I mean, really commit to this. Say, God, I really want to commit to this. I, I really want to grow with you. And how many know that we all have blind spots in our lives? And it's easy for us to, to walk in our Christian walk and just get stagnant. And, and kind of go through the motions where we become blind and we become desensitized to God's voice and to Jesus speaking to us, where it becomes very mundane. And we all easily can fall into that trap if we're not careful. And I believe if we really commit ourselves to this, I believe the Lord will speak to our hearts and show us where our commitment truly is. And so I want to define this relationship. And we need to all find out where we stand with Jesus Christ. Now, uh, how many of you... Um, remember having that talk with your spouse when you were dating. Okay, now, now I started to think back of, of the DTR talk that I had with my wife, Kathleen, when we were dating. Because there comes a point where you're going to go from just dating 
to actually going into a real commitment. And I can remember having the DTR talk with Kathleen. I, I, I just remember it so well. It was my senior year in college. I was going to school in Florida. Uh, she was a, a junior at, at Brockport State. So we were like 1,250 miles separated. Now, this was before uh, FaceTime, Skype. This was back in the days where you wrote letters and it was $8 a minute to talk on the phone. And if you guys know how cheap I am, that was like, hey, Kathleen, how you doing? Good. Okay. We'll talk about it. Boom. Right. You actually wrote, that was back in the day where you actually wrote letters, right? Pen to paper. What is that? It's, it's cool. It's still good. Do it once in a while. It's, it's okay. Um, there was no emails. There was no internet. Before Al Gore invented it. So we didn't have any of that stuff, okay? So, so we didn't have any of that. So we actually had to talk on the phone or, or write letters. So I remember I was back um, spring break, which our spring break was like late February. And I said, Kathleen, let's go um, skiing at Swain. So we went to uh, Swain Mountain and went skiing. And I can remember sitting in the lodge and my heart was beating a mile a minute because I wanted to tell Kathleen I, I so bad that, that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. Now, I didn't, I didn't propose, but I wanted to define the relationship. Like, Kathleen, I really like you, and, and I know we're separated, and I know that distance is apart from it, but I know I'm coming back in a couple months, and I, I'm getting ready to graduate, and I really, really like you, okay? I was head over heels, okay? So... We sit down in the lodge, and um, I sit down and say, Kathleen, I want to talk to you about something. She goes, okay. I go, Kathleen, I, I, I really can't see myself spending my, the rest of my life with anybody else but you. And after she got done laughing, um, <laughs> you know, we, uh, we discussed. No, I'm just teasing. Um, so she was, she was like, wow, you know. And, and, and it, three months later, I did propose to her, and, um, and then a year from there, um, we got married. And the relationship went from dating to this commitment for marriage. And it, what it meant was, it meant that, listen, I'm all in. I'm, I'm committed. I'm ready to take this to the next level. And, and when Christ calls us, he calls us to a commitment. Not a, not a dating commitment, but he actually calls us to a marriage. Not, not a casual thing, not, not an acquaintance but Jesus says, listen, I call you to marriage. I call you to that level of commitment when you follow me. And, 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 and so when I say that I'm all in, I, I'm saying to myself, I'm committed. I'm ready to take this to the next level. And when Christ calls us, he, he calls us to a commitment, a, a, not, not just a casual commitment, but a, a full sold out commitment. Now, can you imagine a couple on their wedding day and they're standing before the pastor and they're making vows to one another before God. And, and one of them says, I'll be faithful to you 99.99% of the time. Is that going to fly? No, because when you stand before each other, before that pastor, you're committing your whole life story. Not, not partially, not saying I'll be, I'll be faithful part of the time. I mean, 60% better than nothing, right? And you would say, no way. Either it's, it's all or it's nothing. We would never expect that in a real marriage wedding ceremony. So, so here's the invitation that Christ gives to his followers. And, and, and this isn't a real popular verse. This isn't a verse that we normally talk about, but, but this is Jesus' word. This is what, what Jesus expects of us. Not a dating relationship, but actually a married, committed, full 
committed relationship. And the verses in Luke 9, 23 through 26, and, and this is going to, this really be the, the, the basis, this, this, these passages for the next six weeks. And we're just going to dive into this. Today's going to be very introductory, but we're going to really dive into this and see what it means for our lives. And so listen to what Jesus says here. He said this to all, everyone, all of us. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses or forfeits himself? So these verses are going to be foundational for the whole service. And I want to unpack these verses for us today and see what it really means for, for you and I today in the coming weeks. And so, so some of you here today, um, you're ready for this talk. You're, you're ready to move from this maybe casual relationship, this, this observing Jesus, to maybe a really committed one. Maybe, maybe you've been you know, just coming to church for a long time and um, you've been observing this, but you really haven't taken that, that commitment to the, the, the next step. And, and, and some of you are more casual with the whole Jesus thing. Some of you say, you know, Jesus is a nice guy. I, I go to church when I can. Um, you know, it, it kind of fits me kind of like, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears, you know, the porridge isn't too hot, too cold, just right. Just kind of like, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's either or it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal. And I would like to define your relationship with Jesus as, as, and where you stand with him and, and, and maybe saying this and let's define it. Let, let's really call it what it is. And let's define it either, either we're a fan where where it's just like hey it's okay and it's fun and, and I've got no issues with Jesus or we really are a follower of it where we're really committed to what Jesus tells us here and 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 I think for most we would say for most of us if I were to ask you that question we would say yes I'm a follower I come to church I do believe in most of this stuff but but let me explain really what a fan is you see, the word fan is defined as an, as an enthusiastic admirer. And, and we're all fans of different things. You know, just as like I said earlier, we're all, many of us are sports fans. We watch games. We cheer on our team. Some of us even have our own jersey. So when your team comes on TV, you know, you've got your jersey on, you're ready. And uh, we understand the concept of being a fan, especially when it comes to sports. But here's the danger. Here's the thing. Nothing wrong with being a fan. Nothing wrong with cheering on your team. It's all fun. I enjoy uh, doing it too. But here's the danger. My concern, and this was the heartbeat of, of this message that, that Kyle Eidelman presented to his church, which I thought was, was so clear and so vivid and, and so uh, heartfelt and, and really spoke to me also. Here's my concern. My concern is that our church has the potential to be very easily to become a room full of fans for Jesus and not really committed followers. It's very easy for us to do that too, if we're not careful. Um, You see, Jesus really never cared about having fans. He never never really did. If you define a fan as an enthusiastic admirer, then fans were not that important to him. You see, I think we have the the, the tendency to come 
you know, together once a week and be fans of Jesus. We sit down in our seats, we open up the programs, we applaud at certain times. Uh, we leave some, somehow thinking that as fans, uh, it was all done for us. We get in our car, we, we evaluate um, the sermon, which is always this, right? You guys are like, man, that was awesome. I'm so glad I came today. Best message I've ever heard in my life, right? We, we evaluate the sermon. Um, we, we kind of give the, the service a selection of thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, the worship was okay. And then we come back to do it again. Now, some of us are really big fans. We're, we're, we're groupies. We're really into this thing. We know the songs. We, we know where to turn our Bibles. We know the Christian lingo. But are we fans or are we really followers? And, and see, here's... Here's what I, I want to dig into and, and really ask these tough questions. Are we just admirers or are we truly committed believers? And so what we're going to do is we're going to ask a lot of tough questions. They're going to dig and prod and, and just like propane, I'm going to get all in your grill. Okay. So just get ready. I heard someone say that last week. I go, that is so cool. I'm going to keep saying, it. I kept saying all week, Wesley, I'm like propane. I'm going to be all up in your grill. I'll say it in my 16-year-old son, he's like, Dad, you stop trying to be cool, okay? Because you're not, okay? Stop. You're 49 years old. You're not cool anymore, okay? So I try. It doesn't work when you've got teenagers in the house. So, so we're going to prod. We're going we're gonna to poke around to, to, to see whether or not we're that committed to believers. Because here's the danger. We can feel good about ourselves being admirers of Jesus, yet Jesus wasn't about gaining admirers or fans. He wanted committed believers. And, and, and here's the thing. I, I don't want to lay a guilt trip on anyone. I just want to, I just want us to clearly see what Jesus expects of us. And, and it's okay. Listen, it's okay. It's not like, well, I can't come to church anywhere because I'm not that coming to believe. And then we all feel guilty. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is let's just define what our relationship is and let's grow in it. And, and let's not believe something about ourselves that isn't true. Does that make sense? And, and then let's let it, let us, let the words of Jesus you know, resound in our hearts and our lives to say, do I need to take a next step? Have, have I falsely believed something that I shouldn't have believed about myself, about what I think Jesus thinks about my life? That, that's necessarily not true. So if you're coming and you're just kind of learning more about Jesus, that's great. That's what, our, that's what church is for too. We want you to come because we want you to hear the word of God. We want Jesus to keep speaking to your heart and life so that you understand what Jesus expects of you and how he wants to have a relationship with you. So, so the vow, let me explain it this way. The vow we make to our spouse is very specific. It, it, it sets boundaries. It's, 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 it's what is expected. And, 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 and we have to understand this. And as a pastor, I want to, in love, I want to bring this truth and this reality to you so we understand what is expected of us. And I don't want anyone to be fooled in believing that there are followers when they're only a fan. And I, I want to be honest with ourselves and to search our hearts and uh, Jesus tells us, he tells us, listen, take up your cross and follow me once in a while, once a week, twice a year, Christmas and Easter. What does he say? Daily. He says daily. So in order to find the relationship with Christ, we need to answer a few questions. So let's answer a few questions this morning just to start off this series. Number one, let's answer this first question. Have I counted the cost? When we commit to anything, we need to count the cost. Now, how many of you, you didn't really 
understand that until you bought a house. Right? Remember that? You bought a house, you're like, this is going to be wonderful. Right? And then all of a sudden you're like, geez, I actually actually have to mow the grass and I got to fix things and the toilet doesn't work and this is broken and this needs to be fixed. And, you know, you, you, we don't, we think it's so wonderful until we have to count the cost and realize there's maintenance and, and all of a sudden the, 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 the school tax bill comes in. Yay! Why does that surprise me every year? It's like, what? What is this? What is all this money going? Right, you know, and it, we, we understand there's, ta- we, and we, sometimes we just don't count uh, the cost. And it's interesting, like with, with my kids, you know, they, they want a car and everything. I said, you know, I just don't get in the car and just try, you realize you got to put gas in it, got to change the oil, there's insurance. And so, you know, with Colby, we began to add up all the stuff. He's like, wow, it's a lot of money to have a car. Yeah, it is. Right? It's just, we don't, until we, until we count the cost, we realize what we're going to be committed to. And, 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 and once again, let, let me go back to the, the, the married illustration. When we get married, we have to understand that our lives are no longer our own. I, I just can't do what I want. And then kids come along, and then it's really not your own life, right? We, we, I don't think we, we, we don't, tend to count the cost. And, and there, is a, there is a cost with our commitment. Jesus tells us that whoever wants to follow him, you, you've got to count the cost, that it's, it's, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be a bed of roses. That, that Jesus even said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus never painted a picture, a, a, a picture that was perfect for his followers. How many know life isn't easy? And life's going to throw us a lot of curveballs. But Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm going to walk through those things with you. I'll give you peace that this world can never give you. But realize that, that following me sometimes is, is not going to be easy. And I can remember that as a six-year-old when I went into a public high school and I was a follower of Jesus, things did change. It wasn't as easy. I did get laughed at sometimes because of, of my faith. And, and people are like, what does born again mean? What do you think you're, you're a holy roller? Oh, okay, look out. Here comes the preacher boy walking down the hallway, right? Not everybody, but I would get teased. I got teased on my job as a college student when I worked uh, some secular jobs in the summer and people knew that I was starting to be a pastor. And I got, I got hassled sometimes. But, but that was the, that's the, the cost sometimes of following Jesus, that not everybody's going to like you. Not, you know, you're going to... The, the views that you have and the things that you stand for, for Jesus Christ, are, are not going to always be everybody's slant on what they believe the world should be like. And, and you might get ridiculed for what you believe. So there's a cost of the commitment. And Jesus tells us, listen, count that cost. And what you're going to have to do is, Jesus, you're going to have to deny yourself. Now, this doesn't mean just denying things, but denying control of my life. See, that, that's the real issue. Is who's going to have control of my life? What I do as a follower of Christ is now I give control to Jesus Christ. Giving control doesn't mean I act in a manner that I did before Christ took control of my life. I, I show self-control. I, I take up the cross, which means to deny yourself. To, we, we, we take up the, the Christ cross and we embrace his will. So how does this look when I say okay, Jesus, I'm going to be a follower of you. And it says to deny myself and follow you where I'm going to give you now control of my life. So, you know, how does this look? B- 
Because it's easy for us to customize our Christianity and what fits us and not necessarily how we fit Christ. So what we tend to do is we take the things we like about Christianity and we'll place them into our lives. And the things we don't like, we tend to ignore. But remember, let's define the relationship. Jesus says, it's a, it's a, it's a total act of committing my life to Jesus Christ and, and following him. It's not a partial. It's not a 50%. It's 100% of giving my life and listening to what he desires for me. So I, I can remember when I was younger in the 70s, you know, Burger King had this huge campaign and it was, you know, have it your way. And I can remember, um, you know, you could pick and choose what you wanted um, on, on your burger. And I can remember um, the song that they had for their jingle. And this thing just got into my brain. Right? I just remember. And the song was this, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. I remember that, you old people. Like, remember that? Okay, now, Listen. Hold the pickle. I'm just going to ruin your whole day now. Hold the pickle, hold the lead. Now you guys are going to be singing all day and say, I hate Pastor Barden. This thing is like a worm in my brain now, right? And so what happens is, living in America, right? Everything revolves around who? Me. I'm in the spotlight. It's all about me, right? And so everything's customized to me. Now, now the problem is, with that type of thinking, we come into Christianity, follower of Jesus, say, wait a minute, Jesus, it's all about me, right? Jesus, it's about me, what you do for me. And Jesus, no, you actually, it's the opposite. You're actually denying yourself. It's not have it your way. And this type of thinking can, can happen in our relationship with Christ. So, so if I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to have to, you know, I can't kind of pick and choose the areas which I will follow him in. I can't say, well, Jesus, I want to follow you, but don't ask me to forgive that person who hurt me because, because I'm not going to let go of that resentment. And what does Jesus tell us to do? He tells us to forgive because he's forgiven us. You know, I'm not going to let go of that bitterness because I deserve that. I deserve to hold on to that, Jesus. You know, I'll say I'll follow Jesus, but... But don't talk to me about my money. I work hard for my money. It's off limits, Jesus. I'll follow Jesus, but, but don't tell me to abstain from sexual desires that are out of the will of God. I, I, I can't help the fact that I'm that way and I have these desires, so don't ask me to abstain. I'm a follower of Jesus, but, but I won't stop getting what I want. So what we end up doing is customizing Christianity that says, well, I'll follow Jesus, but only in the areas that are comfortable, only in the areas that I agree with. And if I'm that type of Christian, then I'm really not all in. And so a follower, Jesus says, denies themselves for the sake of Christ. And it's not, let's make a deal. So have I, let's just define it, right? We're defining it here. Have I truly counted the cost? Now, I'm just giving you Jesus' words here. These aren't my words. These are Jesus' words. Have I really counted the, counted the cost in my relation? Am I really laying those things down? Or is it kind of a hodgepodge type of relationship where I'm committed in some things but not committed in others? So just, once again, just defining it, whether or not I'm just an admirer and a fan, or am I really a follower? Here's the second thing really important. This is vital. Here's the second thing. The question is this, is my faith, my faith? And is it real 
to me. Now, I can remember as a young person because my family faithfully went to church every Sunday and we went to Sunday school. Now, this was a church that did not proclaim the gospel message of salvation through faith, through Jesus Christ. It was very liberal and they did some good things in the church, but they did not call people to repentance. So that's the type of church I kind of grew up in. So after a while, I, I remember saying to my mom and dad, I go, why, what's the point of church? It's so boring to me. I get nothing out of it. What's the point of church? And I can remember my parents telling me because that's what we're supposed to do. That's a good reason I want to go to church, right? Because we're supposed to go, right? Okay, so I didn't understand. At first, I went to church because my parents made me go to church. Okay, so when I first went to church, my parents made me. When, when, When my parents came to Christ, I really didn't want to go to church, but I had no choice. And I'm very grateful for that because that's where I really was introduced to the true gospel message of Christ and and what he had done for mankind in the church that my parents started attending after they truly came to Christ and became followers of of him. So at first I went to church because my parents, maybe my parents, uh, you know, know, definitely became committed followers. I saw them praying together, began to pray with the family. I really saw their lives began to really change. Now, what happens is when I started going to this new church, um, I got really used to it. Um, I started to know the songs. I was not a follower of Jesus Christ. I went because my parents made me, and I kind of got used to it. I knew the songs, the style of worship. Um, It grew on me. Even though I I, I didn't want to be there, I was just a fan and, and a spectator, but but I got used to it. So I could I could sit through the services and I got used to the style of the service. I got used to the song, which was totally different from the church I grew up in. This church was people clapped their hands and raised their hands. I'm like, what is going on? This church is nuts, right? Other church, we just sat there. We're done. 55 minutes, done, out the door, right? I mean, people, when church finished when I was younger, there was no one. Five minutes after the service, everybody gone. Here, Oh, I got to kick you guys out the door, right? Man, you guys just love to fellowship way too much. Okay, so would you guys start hating each other a little bit more so I could leave earlier? Anyways, no, I'm just teasing. Um, so there's a difference, right? So the way I can explain this is when, um, when I was um, younger, um, there was a certain style of genre of music that I absolutely loved. And I think, do we have, a, do we have that? Do we have the song? Did we do that, Mike? Oh, we didn't. Okay. Oh, man, I was all pumped about that. Um, I was going to play my favorite song, which was Don't Stop Believing by Journey. So I'll sing it for you. Don't stop. No, maybe we'll do it for the second service. So I loved that song. I mean, I loved Journey. I had the album. I mean, that's the type of stuff that I listened to as a 15, 16-year-old. Now, here's the thing. When I was that age, we had a neighbor who would go around and share his testimony of how Christ saved him. And he had very, very powerful um, testimony. And so um, I would, you know, travel with him in his car. And so he loved easy listening music, which was the furthest thing from Journey. Just the first thing. So I would sit in the car and I'm like, oh no, I'm going to, he would invite me to go with him as traveling companion. I just love because he used to let me drive when I got my permit. It was really fun. And uh, just a great neighbor. And even before I was saved, I got to listen to his testimony and really hear how Jesus touched his life. And I actually enjoyed going with him because he was just a nice neighbor. And so we would travel quite, I would be his traveling companion. And it was really great. But for hours, I'd have to listen to this 
easy listening music, which was like torture for me as a 16-year-old. But what began to happen is I started to like it. <laughs> now, guess who my, I, I, I began to like it so much that there's this one singer that used to come on all the time on this easy listening station. And it was Andy Williams. And when I heard the song Moon River, to this day, I love it. I love Moon River. Now, how many of you, I loved the Andy Williams Christmas specials from that time. That guy just has the best voice I've ever heard. And after a while of sitting in the car, and listen, I went from here listening to, you know, Crooked Sister and ACDC and all these heavy metal hair bands to like, wow, I actually like this style of music of Andy Williams. Why? It, it grew on me. After a while, I just became a fan of it. It just grew on me after a while. Now, now here's the thing. If we're, not ha- if we're not careful, this can happen in the church. One of the most dangerous things that can happen in the church is that your faith isn't your own. And, and, and this is my prayer for my children because, because their whole life they've been brought up in church. And basically, in their young lives, let's be honest, their faith was my faith. It was. I mean, that's the way it is. You grow up in church. God bless my children. I'm the only pastor that they've ever known or heard of because basically Living Word is the only church that they've ever known from, from being just little babies. And so that's all they know. That's all the faith they know. And there comes a point to where you're like, um, is my faith my faith or is my faith my parents' faith? And, there, and there's a big, it's a struggle for a lot of parents because there comes a time where your child begins to ask questions. They get older and they're like, I'm not sure if I believe what you believe. And that's always been my prayer for my kids that, that they would follow Jesus, not because I do, but because they've made that decision to follow Jesus. And maybe they make that decision in their teenage years. Maybe they walk away. Maybe they come back to that understanding and the foundation that we've laid for them. And maybe they come back later in their lives as we pray for them. You know, it's different for, for different people, but, but here's the thing. I don't want my kids to become numb to the real thing because they hear it over and over and over again. And, And that's what begins to happen is our faith can become numb. It can actually become our wife's faith or our husband's faith or my girlfriend or my boyfriend, or my mom and dad's faith. But the question I want to ask you here today, is it real to you? Is it, is it real to you? Now, I'll be honest with you this morning. This, this statistic just bothered me when I read this. And um, it was a study that was done and it interviewed college educated men from the ages of 18 to 23. And the study was done on um, sexuality in our culture. And they, they, they interviewed and they studied one group that believed that premarital sex was okay. And then they gave the percentage of those that were virgins at 23%. That were actually virgins, that, that low percentage. The other group, didn't believe in premarital sex. This is what they were taught in church. Okay, they were taught in church. This is wrong. It's what the Bible says. It's out of God's plan. You know, it's, it's immoral. God had, had made it for the context of a, a, a committed marital relationship that we see uh, in Genesis 
And, and that was God's plan for man and, and woman. Now, they gave the percent of those that were virgins. Are you ready? 28%. Basically, no difference. Basically, no difference. Now, now what was the reason? Sociologists concluded that what they believed in public did not translate in who they were in private. They were fans, but really not followers. Now, here's, here's where we need to be careful because we can believe something, but if it's not seen in our private lives, and if the word of God doesn't affect us in our private lives, then there, there, there's a huge disconnect in my relationship with Christ. Now, here's where I want to be really careful. Because what, what can happen is our, our lives can morph into this moralism where we begin to say, okay, pastor, I hear what you're saying. So now I've got to, you know, I got to make sure that I, I do all the do's and, and don't do all the don'ts. And I got to make sure that my life measures up to what, Christians are, that they, they don't smoke, chew, or go with girls that do, right? So, so we're, we're all there, right? So we're saying, okay, I got I to gotta stop doing all these bad things. Got to stop doing all these bad things, all right? And then, and then it's like, that's why I left the church, because all the legalism, right? So here's where I want to be careful. Here's where I want to be careful. I, I want our motivation to serve Christ if we're truly followers. A true follower of Jesus Christ has, has, has had a transformed heart, and when our hearts are transformed, the result is in a transformed life. That doesn't mean we never sin. That doesn't mean we never make mistakes. But what I am saying, if my heart's not transformed, then I easily do the things that the world does because I'm not really committed to Christ. I'm, I'm just a fan, but my heart truly hasn't been transformed. The things that bother Christ, that the things that would affect my relationship with Jesus should really concern me just as, listen, just as my relationship with my wife, if I sinned against my wife, or if we sinned against those relationships, what begins to happen? It tears down that relationship. That's why we want to keep those relationships pure. Because when we when, when adultery happens or these things happen, it breaks down that relationship, it mistrust. And so what happens, if, I, if I'm not really committed to Christ, then these other things really don't bother me. I'm not really committed to his commands. And so the, the, the best way I wanted to, to finish this message was um, this relationship that Jesus developed, that Jesus encountered while he was ministering on this earth. And, and I love this encounter that Jesus had with this man named Zacchaeus. And, and here's how I want to finish the message today. I want to show you how Zacchaeus, just a sinful man, how his life was transformed by the power of the gospel message and showed how his sinful life and his waywardness changed from, from just being a fan or admired of Jesus to actually being a committed follower. And this is a great story in Luke 19. And this is um, what, what I want to read for you. I, I, I don't know if it's, in your, if it's on the screen there, but um, look at Luke 19. And I want to read verses 1 through 10 there. And, and you can follow me in your Bibles if you want, but, but let me finish with this. How many remember reading about Zacchaeus in Sunday school? Remember, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree because the Lord he wanted to see. 
the Lord he wanted to see. Remember that? Let's read what this says. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief, the arch tax collector, and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. Being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, for the Lord he wanted to see. Since Jesus was coming that way, and when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because of this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I want you to see what happens here. Listen, listen, really. Don't, 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 don't zone out on me just yet. Listen, listen. I love what Tim Keller says here. He says, ultimately, it was not Zacchaeus who asked Jesus into his life, but Jesus who asked Zacchaeus into his. Now, now follow this. Jesus invites us to follow him. It's not me saying, okay, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you into my life and, you know, I'm, I'm going to set the rules here, okay? So I'm gonna, if I ask you into my life, then I'm going to set the rules. But, but if Jesus asks us into his life, things change. It's different. It's not casual. It's not a fan. It's not an admirer. Jesus says, you're going to come into my life. This is what I expect. And see, what, what, what's so interesting about this about this encounter, Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree which would have invited ridicule and comments because it was so undignified to do that. You see, I believe that at this point, Zacchaeus was a fan. He was admired. There's something different about Jesus. I want to see him. So he ran ahead. He, he didn't care about his dignity. He didn't care about what the crowds thought because as being a sinner, no one liked him because he worked for Rome and he was a tax collector and he ripped people off and they all knew it and they all knew that he got wealthy because of that. But, but because he worked for Rome, the Jews at that time said, man, this guy is just a sinner. Nobody likes him. And then Jesus picks out the worst sinner in the crowd, and then says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I want to have dinner with you, which was an act of intimacy. It's like guilt by association. And so that's where everybody looked around and said, what is Jesus doing? Does he not know that this man is a sinner? Why would he go to his house? And it was that point that Jesus was inviting Zacchaeus into his life. And I believe Zacchaeus, what happened here is this. Zacchaeus welcomed him, the Bible says, gladly. And I believe that invitation from Christ, the grace that Jesus showed upon this sinner's life by inviting him into his life changed Zacchaeus's very life. Now, how do we, how do we know that Zacchaeus's life was changed. How do we know that this just was a casual relationship? Was like, okay, geez, that's nice. Okay, but I'm going to go back to my old ways. Here's how we know that things changed for Zacchaeus. 
Zacchaeus sees grace firsthand and the result of Jesus' grace, he welcomed Jesus with joy, which changed his life. And, and let's just get a glimpse of what Zacchaeus did here. Basically, what Zacchaeus gave back was 300% of what he ripped people off with. 300% he gave back. Do you think his heart changed? Now, was he doing that? Listen, was he doing that out of guilt to say, okay, I'm going to buy my way out of my guilt? No, the grace came to him first. The grace changed his life. And because of his changed heart, he became not just a fan but a committed follower of Jesus and by his actions shown that his heart had truly changed. So what he became was a follower, a true follower, not a guy just in a tree looking from a distance. And so my question for you here today is, where are you today? Are, are, you, um, you, know, are you in the tree? Just kind of saying, oh, there goes Jesus. Yeah, oh, hey, Jesus, he's in the distance, right? I like you, Jesus. You're a good guy. Shh, but don't call me out, right? I'll just have a relationship with you that's just kind of this way, okay? But don't, let's not get too crazy, Jesus, okay? But I like you. See you next Christmas, okay? What happens is, he goes from the tree by having dinner with him is intimate fellowship. The relationship changed. The dynamics of the relationship changed. And through that, we see the changed heart and the changed actions of Zacchaeus. Fan to follower. And so that's the question we're at today. Are we a fan or are we a follower? And Listen, I'm not here to lay any guilt trips, but that's just, let's just call it where it is. Where am I with you, Jesus? And so th this, is, this is what I want us to do. This is how I want to just challenge over the, over the next several weeks as we, as we dig further into this study. Um, here's how you're going to get the most out of this. 30-day um, devotional. You can read the book. You can get that on Amazon. You can get on your Kindle. Um, Commit to coming on Wednesday night to the study because we're going to get deeper into it or Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We have an adult class that's teaching that, same class that's being taught Wednesday and Sunday so you can't miss it. Um, our Thursday morning men's Bible study, men, if you can make that, I know a lot of you won't fit in your schedule, but we meet every Thursday at 6.30. Men, if you want to come to that Bible study, we're going to be digging into it with the 10, 12 men that come every Thursday. Um, maybe for you, it's taking that next step. It's signing up for the membership class. It's saying, you know what? I've got to make a next step. I, I, I've got to get committed. And, and, and one of those steps is through membership where you allow God to use your gifts and talents to serve in the local body. Maybe that's taking the next step of membership. Sign up for that. And here's the biggest thing that you can do. Pray. Just pray. Say, God, I'm going to give you permission to dig around in my life a little bit. Actually, I'm going to give you permission to dig around in my life a lot. And just to show me through prayer where my commitment has either waned or whether or not I'm just a fan and I need to take that really that next step to be a committed follower and really pray and ask the Lord, 
where your relationship is. So that's my prayer for you over the next six weeks, that um, you will define that relationship and whatever steps you need to take, that the Lord would give you the ability to take those steps through his grace. Listen, the Lord doesn't want you to fail. This isn't about, you know, a test that, you know, I've got, it's another thing I got to do and I'm going to miserably fail at this thing. Listen, it's by his grace you're saved. And if, and if you're saved by his grace and you humbly come before the Lord, he's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the ability to grow closer to him. He gives us that ability. He gives us that gift that even in our weakness, he is strong. So it's not about, you know, trying to do it and trying to work hard and trying to do everything perfect because we're all going to be failures. It's only by his grace that we can do anything. And so he supplies his grace to us abundantly so that we can serve him wholeheartedly. Man, that was a good quote right there. I need to write that down. That was good. Sometimes they don't come. That one came good, right? So let's do that today. So as we pray and as we just commit our hearts to him, let's just, let's just do that. So I want you to bow your hearts with me. And just as we close the service today, let, let's, just, let's just stand this morning. Let's just, let, let's just commit our hearts to him for these next, for these next six weeks. And, and let's ask the Lord just to find our relationship with him.